had no idea that Reese was going to make a debut at Freedom House Church, but there she is. Uh, I, my Snickers didn't make it in the video. So you know whose dog is favored in our household because Snickers, the one we've had for 15 years, didn't make it. And Reese, the one we've had for a few months, she made it. She made it. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in the house today. Uh, I am so honored to get to speak to you today. Uh, Typically, on a holiday, I am at our central campus for the broadcast campus, but I really uh, asked if I could be at the Lake Norman campus because, yeah, this, you know, Pastor Troy and I live in Lake Norman, and so this is our home, and we wanted to be home on Mother's Day, uh, I, I wanted to just share a little bit from my heart and then go into the meat of the message. Uh, there have been times in my life as a mom where I still had to lead even though my heart was devastated, even though I was broken, even though I was wounded and hurting, whether it was a diagnosis I didn't want to acknowledge I remember when I was pregnant with my first daughter and they told me she wasn't gonna make it. I remember having to still lead through that, not only uh, my family, but we were youth pastors at the time and nobody knew the battle that we were facing and the pain that we were dealing with. Uh, The loss of someone close, betrayal of a friend, untold grief that would just seem to creep in and hit you out of nowhere. There were times where I've had to surrender my will, my thoughts, my emotions, and my heart over to the Lord so I was still able to lead. Yes, in the middle of heartache that nobody knew about. Yes, in the midst of physical pain. I remember one Sunday getting up to speak and making sure I had an offering bucket that was tucked in in case I was going to throw up. I was sick, but I couldn't call in sick. Mamas, you know how that is. Trying to be the wife, the mama, for me, pastor, could be friend, boss, in the midst of quietly grieving at times or feeling pain, knowing that I still had to be mama. Mamas, you understand that because your children, your kids, whether they are your natural children that you have birthed or whether they're spiritual children that you have or you oversee, you understand that dinner still has to be cooked The carpool still has to be done. Homework still has to be checked. Boo-boos still need to be attended to. You can't relegate or delegate being a mama. You always have a heart that says yes, even when your heart is hurting, even when you are dealing with personal pain, loss, or grief. Today, I want to talk to you about somebody that understood that. Somebody in the Bible, a mama, her name is Deborah, and she was just like you and me. She understood that no matter what was going on in life, she still had to be mama. 
She still had to do what was right. She still had to stand up even when things were difficult. So in the book of Judges, you see a woman, Deborah, that when times were hard, when times were desperate, when times were bad, God called her to the highest level of leadership in a crisis moment. A woman. Deborah means bee. And I'll tell you what, Deborah is the queen bee. Way before there was Beyonce, there was OG Deborah, the queen bee. She understood what it was like to sting the enemy. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But I want to just set up Deborah a little bit as I get ready to dive into Judges chapter 4. Deborah was a leader in Israel. She was a judge. She was a prophet. And she looked out over her country and she knew that all was not well. As a matter of fact, this was supposed to be the land that flowed with milk and honey. This was the promised land, the land that was given, a land as their inheritance. But as she looked out over the land and surveyed things, she realized that her country stopped serving the Lord. And because they had stopped serving the Lord, God had to remove his hand and the enemy started coming in. And Deborah surveyed the land that was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. And the queen bee knew that all of the hive was not well. As a matter of fact, as the Israelites had settled into the promised land, when they started taking for granted how good everything was, they started pulling away from the Lord. Because you see, when, when we aren't in crisis mode and we're living and we're, we're eating the honey of the land and it's flowing and everything's good, like it's been here in the United States, there's something in us that starts to think that it was always this way. And so what happens is we start to get slack. We start to get complacent. And God was very specific. He said, this is the land that I have given you, but don't you dare ever let another God take my place. And so because things had been good for so long, they began to take for granted the Lord. As many of us do, when things are going good, there's something in us that maybe thinks that we earned it or we deserve it. And so here she is surveying the land, and she knows that all is not well. They strayed from their faith. But she knew that things only remain good when a nation has its eyes on the Lord. That will preach all day long, right? So she knew that Canaan was experiencing great oppression because King Jabin had come in and for 20 years he started to oppress Israel and he started it in different regions. And Deborah knew if she didn't stop it, that it would sweep across the entire country. So here is Deborah faced with this dilemma. She knew that Israel had themselves to blame because it was a self-inflicted wound. 
They were supposed to go into this new land that God had promised them, and they were supposed to destroy all the Canaanites, but they didn't obey God. So here is Deborah assessing what's going on in the hive, so to speak, and she sees specific things. She knew that they had been turning their back on God's truth, that they had been co-mingling with things that had been brought into the country that weren't from God, and they started engaging in pagan practices, things that I'm sure we would never do here in the United States. One of the things they did was they started sacrificing their children. We would never do such a thing here, right? Then it says that they engaged in ritual prostitution and other sexual deviant acts, which I'm sure we would never do here in this country, would we? And then it says that because of their weakened condition, because they weren't following after the Lord, that the enemy came in and took advantage of that weakened condition and exploited them. And what happened is a country that was once flowing with milk and honey, there were now robberies. You couldn't travel the streets for fear of being robbed or ambushed. You see, they didn't have checking accounts back then, so when they would travel, their goods would go with them. And they were always being ambushed and struck down. Nothing was safe. No one was safe. Could you imagine a country where anarchy starts to take place? Imagine such a place. Well, this did not sit well with one mama, with the queen bee, Deborah. You see, the things that irritate you quite often are the things you are destined to change. And what I've heard many people say is, as they survey our country, that they feel overwhelmed. They feel like they are in fear. They feel paralyzed. I'm just one mama. What can I do? How can I change things? And they feel like it's just them. They feel alone. They feel overwhelmed. They feel like their voice won't be heard. But thank goodness... There are mamas like Deborah who said, not on my watch. She knew that Jabin was controlling parts of the country. She knew that Jabin had a commander of the army named Sisera. And she knew that Sisera was in charge of the top military equipment available, ironclad chariots, 900 of them. She knew that they had 10,000 foot soldiers in Israel. And in the natural, it was no match for what King Jabin and his commander Sisera had. No match whatsoever. If you take that modern day, they had the top fighter pilot jets you could imagine. There was no way that anyone else could win. It caused fear to spread across the country. But this one mama, this one woman, Deborah, thought about what could we do to save our country? Even though the odds
odds seemed to be against her, even though evil seemed to outweigh good, what could one mama do? And in Judges 5, verse 7, it says, Village life had ceased. Everything was torn apart. Everything was destroyed. Cities were broken down. It said it ceased also in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. What can you do, mama? You can arise. You may think it's just you. You may be in fear for your children. But I would ask you as we go through Deborah today to take after her model. Because in a time that sounds much like we're living in today, God had a mother, just one mother, who arose Now, we don't know if she was an actual mother that birthed children because we don't see the names of her children. We do see the name of her husband. Or if she was a mother that just took responsibility for spiritually leading. But here's what I want to say to you today. Whether you are a physical mother or a spiritual mother, I believe God is calling all of us in here today to arise. And men, I don't want you to tune out today because I believe, as you will see, when men and women stand alongside of each other and fight the battle that's in front of us, there is no devil in hell that can take us out. So that's what God is calling for us. Now here's what she did next. In Judges chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Don't we do that in our house? We're settling disputes all day long. That's what we do as mamas. She was both a prophet and a judge. She was an incredibly wise woman. As a matter of fact, the only person in all the Bible that is said to be a prophet and a judge. She made sure that wisdom and justice were served for the children of Israel. And you mess with her children and you will get stung as you are about to see. Hearing about the oppression, Deborah decided that there were two tribes in the north that were really getting taken over, and she sent off, and she sent for someone named Barak, and she wanted to have a conversation with him, because in her hill country, she was in safety. She was fine. She could have ignored the plight of everyone else in the country, of other people's households. I mean, her household was good. But Deborah didn't do that. She knew that living in her northern area of safety, she had to make sure that the flatlands under Jabin's conquest were also redeemed. I mean, was that her problem? Technically, no. Her house was good. But God called her to rise up. Just one woman who arose What if you and I, as Lake Norman mamas, what if all of us arose? 
You see, here's the thing is she had the ability within her to not just come to the aid of her house, but to others' homes as well. Let's keep reading in Judges. It says, Then she sent and she called for Barak, the son of Abinom from Kadesh in Naphtali, and she said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun against you. I will deplore Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. She's prophesying over him. And then she says, and I will deliver him into your hand. So she begins to prophesy over Barak, who is the commander of the Israelite army. And Barak says to her, I love this, if you go with me, now I believe he says this, not because he's a weak man, but because he understood the power and togetherness. He says to her, if you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I won't go. Listen, I know you hear from God, and I need that with my strength and my might. I need your godly prophetic wisdom and insight. Can we pair and join together? That's what it looks like when men and women stand alongside of each other. We're not competing with each other. But we are completing each other. We are each bringing our piece of the puzzle and we come together. You see, what's in the world today is this whole competition. It's this whole I am woman, hear me roar, which is wrong. And then it's also the men who, not in this church, might I say, but men who sometimes feel like women are underfoot. Neither one of those is accurate. We are called alongside each other to lead. And for those of you who might have a problem with women leading, you need to understand that Deborah was leading this fight. There is no problem with women leading when they are submitted to the Lord. But a woman that's not submitted to the Lord is usurping authority and there is no place for that. We are called alongside each other. So Barak says to her, if you go with me, then I will go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, I want you to understand, you know how culture is. You understand the times we're living in, Barak. There will be no glory for you in this journey that you are taking for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. In other words, are you secure in your masculinity? <laughs> then Deborah arose. She arose along with Barak. And she went with Barak to Kadesh. So here she is. She got a northerner to help raise an army. And God gives Deborah, a prophet, a judge, the battle plan. Barak was cautious because he understood, listen, I might have the valor, I might have the muscle, but we need to team up. So they did it together. But here's the thing I want you to understand. 
Because this is what I hear from a lot of moms today and a lot of fathers. I am afraid for this country. I am afraid the direction that we are headed. I am afraid for my children to grow up here. Here's what I want you to see, what Deborah did, what Barack did. It says, Deborah was not fearful of the outcome, but she was determined in her fight. Take your fear and turn it into a fight. Now, a lot of times when you say that, we don't like that because it doesn't sound Christian. But see, what's happened is the world for many years, I think probably two decades, has actually caused the church to be in a lull. Well, you can't say anything to me or you're being judgmental. And of course, we as loving Christians don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to come across critical. So we just start being quiet. And all you hear is King Jabin. You never hear anything else. And if we don't speak up, if we don't rise, there's only one voice out there. And so it's our job to rise up. It's our job to defeat the enemy. And don't think, what can one woman do? Think about what will happen if one woman doesn't. You have something in your hand that God has called you to do. God gave Deborah the battle plan, and she put it in motion. And when that plan got in motion, it says, then Deborah arose. You see, when everyone else was holding back, refusing to fight the oppression that the nation was facing, Deborah arose. She was tough as a mother. Matter of fact, we printed t-shirts out there that say that. We did a whole shop out there for all the mamas because we thought, you know what? Let's do a little store where the mamas can come and shop and the daddies can get their wallets out and then all the proceeds will go to missions. So then there's like double win, triple win, because it gets you men out of a hot seat because you forgot to do something. <laughs> See, here's the thing about a leader, man or woman, but today we're talking about mamas. Leaders take initiative when they see a problem that needs solving. You see, when mamas lead, others will follow. Listen to this, Judges 4.14. It says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Up! Up! See, she had already arisen. She already got up, so then she calls Barak up. She says, Hey, they're coming now. Remember the battle plan I gave you? They're on the way. Up, Barak, up. This is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. She didn't say, oh my gosh, they're coming after us. What are we going to do? They're after our children. They've declared war. I don't know what to do. I'm going to shrink back. I'm in fear. I'm in so much fear that I'm paralyzed. Therefore, I do nothing. Do you realize that's what 95% of our culture is doing right now? They're so afraid and they are paralyzed and the enemy is coming in like a flood. But what God is saying today is get up. All it 
takes is one mother. One mother to get up. And then she says to Barak, up. The enemy is coming. And God is going to deliver the enemy into your hand. Don't be afraid. That, that's the thing. I'm going to do a timeout. This is what my husband does. He said, I'm going to do a timeout from my message. And he calls it a parenthetical preaching moment. That's what I'm going to do for a second. What in the world are we afraid of? The alphabet mafia? LGBTQ, like, you're afraid of them? What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? What are we afraid we might lose? What is more important than the life of our children? That I might pay a price at work, the boss might sit me down, might talk to me, I might lose friends on social... What are you afraid to lose? At some point, we've got to get the scales out. And we've got to weigh this whole situation. Because if you don't stand up, if you don't arise, Sisera will win. But God has already declared that Sisera will be delivered into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? If you truly, truly have a relationship with the Lord, and I'm not talking about you come on Sunday or you show up twice a year or, or you know, you read your Bible sometime. I'm talking about if you truly have a relationship with the Lord where he's communicating with you, where he's talking with you, where he's downloading to you. What the heck are you afraid of? Because I know, even if there's 900 ironclad chariots against me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the ironclad chariot. There is absolutely nothing to be afraid of if we're living in our spirit. But if we are dwelling in our flesh, we're going to shrink back and we're going to retreat. You see, our supernatural needs to come out and defeat our flesh, our natural. What I love is that what happens, and see, here's what you and I like to do. We like to say, well, I need every single thing. God told Deborah that they would win. He said, I'm going to deliver Sisera. He didn't give all the logistics. Many of times, in order for us to trust God, we're like, I need you to lay every single step out because I'm a thinker. And, and I have to have it all laid out. Basically, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. I trust my intellect. Because, see, I'm a thinker. And if it doesn't make sense to my brain, which coincidentally he made, if it doesn't make sense to me, I won't act. I won't move forward. But here's the thing. 
Here's the thing we have to understand. Just like in this battle, God's got things planned to defeat the enemy that we could never even imagine. So here is 900 chariots, and they come down into this plain region. This region is normally this time of year completely and totally dry. So they bring their 900 chariots and they come in and they're literally getting ready to take over Israel. God causes a flood to come in and all of the chariots get stuck in the mud. They can't move. And so Israel comes in and overtakes them. You and I couldn't have thought that up. We, we couldn't have thought that up. We couldn't have plotted that. Because see, here's the thing. God knows the battle, and he's already, it says he's gone out before us. Either we believe it or we don't. And if we truly believe it, we're going out into battle on his word. And his word is good enough. His word alone is good enough. We don't have to have it all laid out. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to see everything. We don't need the detailed plan. We just need a word from God. One Word from God makes every decision an easy decision. I don't care how bad it looks. God, I just need to know you said to do this. Because if you did, I'm going. I'm going and I'm fighting the enemy. Deborah and Barak were easily able to overtake. Why? Because people got stuck. When we get stuck, we get overtaken. We get stuck. What does that mean? It means we stop listening to the Lord. We get stuck. Now, there was one who escaped. The very one who God said would be delivered into their hand, Sisera. Sisera actually escaped during this battle. He ran off. And in Judges 4, 17, it says, However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael the wife of Heber the Canaanite. For there was peace between Jabin king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet, listen to this, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Can you see her queen bee tactics coming out? She's giving a little honey. She's making things look a little sweet, right? She's giving him the blanket. And then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. And she said, oh, I'll take it a step further. I'll open up a jug of milk and I'll give you a drink. And she covered him and he said to her, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here, you shall say, no. We see, we see her acting like a queen bee too, right? Luring in with the sweet honey, it says, and then J.L., Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand, and I love how it says, went softly to him. 
and drove the peg into his temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. I just get this picture of walking into a tent, and there's a man whose head is on the ground with a peg nailing it to the ground. She was like the OG tent wife, right? She is like the tent wife. She's like rocking her ponytail and her yoga pants. And she hears what's been going on because everybody knew what was happening. They knew Deborah was coming after the army. They knew there was a big fight. And she decides to engage. Thinks she had a pretty good example of who to watch. So she decides to engage in the battle. She wasn't paralyzed by fear. She didn't keep her tent zipped up and say, don't come here, I'm too afraid. Let somebody else do it. She didn't do that. I also know that she wasn't a trained warrior in battle. She used what was in her home to defeat the enemy. Her strength, her might, her courage, and I love what JL means. JL means ascend. So basically, what Deborah did, the queen bee, Deborah means bee. So the queen bee, when she arose, she called out what was in JL. She called her to ascend. Not only did she do that because when the mama arises, when the queen bee arises, others arise too. You see, here's the thing. The scent that the queen bee carries throughout the hive is literally what tells the rest of the hive that all is well or all is not well. Mama, do you know what you carry determines the temperature in your home? That's why they say if, if mama ain't happy, what? Ain't nobody happy. Because the temperature of your home is determined by you, mama. So here, JL begins to ascend. What comes off of JL, what comes off of Deborah, is what determines the mood of the hive. You know what else I like? is not only when Deborah arose, not only did other women arise, but Barak means lightning. And Deborah was there to remind Barak who he was, that he was lightning. She began to prophesy over Barak the defeat of the enemies. And Barak's response was, if you go with me. You see, it's not just the kids who depend on mama. J.L. ascended. Barak became the lightning that he was supposed to. And then it says down in verse 12 that the rest of the country, Deborah began to sing over the rest of the country, Awake, awake, O men and women. It may have started with waking up the mother, the queen bee, having her arise, and then you see everyone else coming up to their position. And we've got to ask ourselves this. When God awakens us, 
from a comfortable existence? Will we live in fear? Will we keep the sleepers in our eyes and not fully focus on what the enemy has been trying to do? Will I live my days consumed with who is against me or who is for me? I also love what Deborah does in verse 13. She goes out and she praises the different tribes that engaged in battle. She, she praised Ephraim, Benjamin, Zebulun, Issachar, and Naphtali. And she said, our country is better because of you. Then she did something that I also like. She, she gave the honey, she praised, but then she also brought the sting. And then she said, Reuben, Gilead, Dan, and Asher, you were a slacker. You weren't where you were supposed to be. Our country needed you, and you were too afraid to engage in the battle. She called them out. She praised, and she called out. She brought the honey, and she brought the sting. Let me just explain something to you. She called out the tribes of Israel. She called out the men. I want you to know that God doesn't penalize you because of your gender. He doesn't hold you back from leading because of your gender. You're not penalized for it, but you will be held back for lack of faithfulness whether you are a man or a woman. She was the queen bee. Barack got up. Jael arose. The rest of the tribes arose. And she shared her influence and her authority. I want to give you some queen bee facts because Deborah was the ultimate queen bee. And I want you to listen to this. The queen bee is exclusively responsible for the temperament of the colony. You determine the vibe of your hive. The stinger she has isn't like everybody else's stinger that can only be used once. The queen bee, the stinger can penetrate over and over and over until the threat of the enemy is gone. The queen bee surrounds herself with those who will aid in getting the job done. J.L. and Barack. She knows how to engage the colony and she stays focused on her task. She has two main tasks. One is to produce legacy. All about legacy. The other is to regulate the unity of the colony. You mess with her and you keep her from doing what she's called to do and understand you will get stung. The queen bee is essential to the health and life of the hive. Mamas, you are essential to the health and the life of the hive. Although she is called the queen bee, hear this, she is not the ruler of the hive. She's the mother of the hive. She stays focused on her purpose and she never comes off of it. 
Now, there were lots of lengthy discussions um, that I did research on that talked about the mating practices of the queen bee. But as to not give my husband any ammunition for my lack thereof, we are skipping over all of those facts today. And we are making those unimportant. We are deeming those unimportant because it's Mother's Day, and I don't want to do that to all the mamas today. She only leaves the hive once in her life, maybe twice at most. She doesn't go around and see all the flowers and fly around like all of the others do. She knows she has to stay focused on the hive because everyone else is depending on her. She is self-sacrificing. This one is the one I'm going to end with, and I think this is the most important, and I want you to hear this. The queen bee knows that she has to feed differently. She doesn't eat honey like the rest of the hive. She eats what's called royal jelly. She feeds differently. What sustains her is different. Mamas, if we are going to lead and we are going to be the queen bee of our hive, we've got to understand what feeds us must be different. We must be getting something from the royal table. There is a sense of responsibility that is greater than just us. And I believe there is a divinely inspired cry that is going to arise out of all of our mothers. You see, here's the thing. The fight has come to your tent. I would never ask you to go and pick a fight, anything unnecessarily. But see, the fight has come to your tent. It's time to pick up your peg. It's time for all of us to fight, to rise, because the bees will swarm behind the queen bee if they know that it's time. So I want to ask you a question today. As I close out today, I want to ask all of my moms in here. If you are ready to arise, if you are ready to stand and fight like Deborah did, I want you to literally, physically stand up in your place right now and say, I am a queen bee and I will not sit back. I will not let the enemy, I will not let the enemy come in. Because here's the thing, mamas, when you arise, everybody else arises too. That's what happens. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me today? I wanna ask you this question. What battle do you need to step into today? What troops do you need to call up? Who do you need to remind that they are lightning? Who do you need to remind that they need to ascend? Please don't limit your leadership potential because of your gender. 
Don't say I'm just a mom. Being a mom is a high calling. There's a warrior inside of you. And listen, there's nothing wrong with the sweatpants and the ponytail. As long as you are still a dragon slayer while you're wearing them. There is no room for us where we are right now in battle to slide into complacency. All of us have a fight in front of us. I want you to know what it also says in that verse. In chapter five, verse eight, it says, all of this was brought upon because they were chasing other gods. I wanna ask you a question today. Doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, what your age is. I wanna ask you this question. Is there something else that you have been chasing besides the Lord? Because he's here right now. And if you're looking out and you're surveying the land and there is any sort of fear, there is any sort of shutting down going on in you or wanting to ignore it, not pay attention. God is calling us to arise, but we can only do that if we understand who He is, that He is good, that He is faithful, that He is just, that He is here, He is present, that we don't have to be afraid. I wanna ask you right now, if there have been other things that have been filling that spot instead of God, maybe it was fear, maybe it's been anxiety, maybe it's been worry, maybe it's been chasing opportunity, success. There is nothing else that should be in that place other than Jesus, the one who died for us the one who saved us, the one who shed his blood. I wanna ask you this question today. Today, if you just need a fresh start, if you need a do-over, if you need to put God back in his rightful place right here on Mother's Day, I wanna ask you just to take your hand, just put it over your chest, just put it over your chest, put it over your heart. Thank you for all the hands. Just say, man, I need a, I need a fresh start, I need a do-over. God, I just need you to come fresh in me. Let's just all say this together. Every one of us say, Father, we just come before you right now. God, we come before you with thanksgiving, with praise, just like Deborah did. She sang and declared your goodness. She declared the defeat of the enemy, even before she could see it with her eyes. We declare right now, defeat over any enemy that would try to take the place of God. We thank you, God, for our life being restored. We thank you, God, for our country turning back to you and it happens 
one person at a time. Start with me right here, right now, today. In Jesus' name, amen.